Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including the National Football League, some college football with the committee rankings due out again tonight, five undefeated still standing, some big games this weekend, including three with one of those unbeatens involved. Teams in our backyard have a lot to play for in some cases. We'll pick over the NBA a little bit. Kawhi Leonard played for the LA Clippers last night against the Toronto Raptors, the team he led to the NBA title last season. And as usual, Kawhi's team won. Although he wasn't great and Paul George hasn't even arrived yet for the Clippers, it was L.A. over Toronto as the Lakers and the Clippers and the Sixers and the Bucks are among the more impressive NBA teams out of the gate so far in the regular season. The Carolina Hurricanes blasted Ottawa last night, 8-2 at PNC Arena. Darren and I and intern Will and others were there to see it personally. Good to see the Canes back on the winning track after four straight losses. Rod Brindamore and the boys got some revenge for Saturday night's loss in Ottawa to the Senators. All of us were happy to see not only Sebastian Ajo with two goals and the big defenseman Joel Edmondson as a player of the game guy. Everybody happy to see the big rig Mike Maniscalco back rinkside as one of those great voices of the Canes. Carolina heads on a road trip now, starting Thursday at Buffalo. A little hockey, a little NBA, a lot of college football, a lot of NFL, and a few questions of the day that allow for your statewide and beyond participation as we come at you live in almost 300 North Carolina cities and towns. We'll chime in with some college basketball today as well, both on and off the court, as we look forward to Ryan McGee of ESPN on all things college football and NASCAR. The latter down to their final four drivers with a chance to win this year's Cup Series championship. Of course, he's all over college football as well as the second round of the committee rankings come out tonight. Jordan Rodrigue from The Athletic Carolina covers the NFL and the Carolina Panthers. We'll get her to chime in in our number two as well. And we have college basketball to discuss on the court. Duke, among many others, back in action tonight. They host Central Arkansas. Would anybody out there know the most famous basketball product of Central Arkansas? He no longer is helping that team. This is from long ago. But there's one and only one mega prominent former Central Arkansas basketball star. He happens to be a superhero of NBA history. It is the Central Arkansas team without that guy visiting the 2019 version of the Duke Blue Devils and Mike Krzyzewski. We'll talk about, I'll offer my thoughts and we'll welcome yours, what Duke needs to see even at this early stage of the season for the Blue Devils to live up to the usual hype, usually much deserved hype, Last year, it was led by freshmen virtually entirely. This year's Blue Devils, more of a traditional mix of mega-talented freshmen and quality upperclassmen. We'll talk basketball on the court and also the ongoing James Wiseman Memphis case off the court. I believe it's one of the more important legal battles, if you will, in modern NCAA history. The NCAA told the Memphis Tigers, this James Wiseman guy, NBA prospect, probably not eligible. Memphis said, we're playing him anyway. And in fact, the only top 25 versus top 25 matchup in college basketball tonight 
happens to match the Memphis Tigers, Penny Hardaway, the new coach, James Wiseman, the future NBA lottery pick center. His family took more than $10,000 from Penny Hardaway a couple years ago before Penny was the Memphis coach and long before James Wiseman signed to play with the Tigers. The NCAA initially said he was eligible. Then, according to a Memphis statement, they had to explore other information more deeply. After that exploration and those interviews, James Wiseman was declared ineligible. I haven't seen many cases in 33 years of covering this stuff where the university essentially says to the NCAA, we're playing them defiantly so I'll offer my thoughts on where that is going as you get a chance if you'd like to see James Wiseman assumedly in uniform one more time tonight as Memphis goes against Oregon as a temporary restraining order works its way through the court system and as Memphis is defying the NCAA in a way that I just have not seen very often questions of the day include one for college or for NFL fans including those of the Panthers especially one from the hockey world but it's a broader one than the name that I am about to mention. If you follow hockey, you know the name Don Cherry, iconic Canadian hockey commentator. He recently used his famous Coach's Corner segment on what they call Hockey Night in Canada to criticize those in Canada who didn't wear something called a poppy pin in large enough numbers for Don Cherry's liking leading up to that nation's Remembrance Day. We just had our Veterans Day yesterday. In Canada, they have Remembrance Day. You are honoring fallen, fallen soldiers and other members of that nation's armed forces. And, of course, you're celebrating always those who are serving that country or, in our case, uh, Memorial Day, Veterans Day. Never a bad time to celebrate those who serve in the U.S. armed forces. If you hadn't seen the update, late yesterday after our show, Iconic, and I mean for decades, Canadian hockey commentator Don Cherry was fired for calling out specifically Canadian immigrants in his eyes as not being supportive enough with their poppy pins or otherwise in honoring the armed forces or in honoring the fallen soldiers. Don Cherry remains unapologetic. He also is now unemployed. And the question of the day for you is, is this story an unnecessary bow to political correctness on the part of his employer, or is it a necessary result to fight anti-immigrant or other types of bigotry? You can chime in on that if you like. I will offer my two cents for better or for worse, and we will welcome yours on that question of the day. For football fans, if you saw any of Monday Night Football last night, as I did, we watched the Canes crush the Senators, but still got home quickly enough that I watched most of the Seattle Seahawks, or the second half, I should say, of the Seahawks' victory over the 49ers in San Francisco. It was Seattle winning, backed by, of course, the MVP candidate Russell Wilson from the whole pack of Badgers. 27-24 in overtime. The Seahawks beat the 49ers. That means San Fran drops to 8-1. and one. No more unbeatens in the NFL, even as we have five to follow still in uh, FBS football. The 49ers, remember, demolished your Carolina Panthers last month, 51-13. The Seahawks are now 8-2, and two, and the Panthers play Seattle next month in Charlotte. My question to you, especially if you watched last night or if you have followed the Panthers through their 5-4 and four start, what are Carolina's biggest, biggest shortcomings right now 
compared to those NFC leaders you watched last night, Seattle and San Francisco? And can those things get better down the stretch to the point where the Panthers are a playoff team as well? That's my question of the day. I, of course, will offer my two cents on that one. We will welcome yours. Seattle and San Francisco right now are among those playing a higher caliber football than your Panthers, who are 5-4 and four and in the NFC wildcard mix. But I don't think many of you would think that they're playing a caliber of football that is near the 49ers and the Seahawks as those two went head-to-head -head down to the wire and into overtime last night. New Orleans is 7-2, San Fran is 8-1, Green Bay is 8-2 and, and just beat the Panthers in a close one. Minnesota is 7-3. You see all these teams, Seattle 8-2. These are all NFC teams, remember. Only six get in, and the Panthers, while doing a lot of good things, to me, don't quite look like the teams that I just listed most weeks. The Niners, the Saints, the Packers, the Vikings, the Seahawks. And who knows who else? You can chime in on that one. What are Carolina's biggest shortcomings right now compared to those teams you may have watched last night? And can those things get better down the stretch enough that the Panthers can be a playoff team as well? And then the broader question because of the Don Cherry news, is it an unnecessary bow to political correctness to fire him as one of the biggest voices in modern hockey history? Or is it a necessary result to fight Bigotry, in this case, anti-immigrant bigotry, as we have our own issues with that here in the good old U.S. of A. Ryan McGee on college football and NASCAR. Jordan Rodriguez on all things NFL. My thoughts and yours on Duke basketball. The James Wiseman Memphis NCAA eligibility showdown. The Canes, the NBA, college football. LSU and Alabama played the biggest game of the weekend. And if you hadn't heard, the TV view, uh, viewer numbers reflected the size and magnitude of that matchup. We'll look forward, we'll look back at the weekend that was, and we'll welcome your answers to our questions of the day. One on Don Cherry, the other on your Carolina Panthers in the NFL. Great guests later. Your calls are now 1-800-849-2761. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. One thing I promised on college football, then we'll get to your answers to the questions of the day. Three great guests later. Don Cherry, iconic Canadian hockey commentator, was fired yesterday. He used his famous Coach's Corner segment on Hockey Night in Canada recently to criticize those north of the border who, to his liking, not enough of them wore poppy pins leading up to that nation's Remembrance Day, somewhat like our Memorial Day or even Veterans Day. He was fired by his employer. He is totally unapologetic. He is also now unemployed. And my question to you is this. Is it an unnecessary bow to political correctness to fire our sports broadcasting figures in these types of situations? Or is it a necessary result because you need to fight, in this case, anti-immigrant bigotry. It might be racism or sexism or something else in another context. Don Cherry didn't talk generally about Canadians not celebrating Remembrance Day enough for his liking. He spoke specifically and went after Canadian immigrants. 
and said, y'all just aren't respectful enough, y'all aren't appreciative enough. You, the immigrants from whenever, aren't meeting my standard. Didn't say anything about other Canadians who are more like him, his color, his age bracket, his birth roots, whatever else. You went after immigrants specifically based on a casual eye test, I guess, as he traveled Canada and in his, I'm sure, unscientific way, counted who looked like him and was wearing poppy pins and who maybe looked a little different. He assumed they were immigrants. That's a bad idea in itself for forward-thinking people. You know that. And then ended up blurting it out that way on his very large platform after a back and forth and a matter of great debate in Canada and even in North America in hockey circles. Don Cherry has been fired. Unnecessary bow to political correctness or necessary result to fight this particular form of bigotry. You can jump in on that. Eric is in the triangle and wants to be first on the NFL question of the day. If you saw the Seahawks beat the 49ers in overtime last night, as I did at least the latter part after seeing the Canes whoop up on the Ottawa Senators, you saw, I think, two of the best teams in the NFC. Wouldn't you be surprised if either Seattle, now 8-2, and two, or San Fran, now 8-1, and one, missed the NFC playoffs? I would. My question to you, and especially Panthers fans, what are Carolina's biggest shortcomings right now compared to those NFC leaders that we watched last night on Monday Night Football? And can those shortcomings get better enough down the stretch so that the Panthers, 5-4 and four and in the hunt for a wild card, can be a playoff team as well. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. We'll get to Duke in college basketball. Your questions on the college football and NFL headlines of the day as well. The one thing I promised and then your calls. LSU-Alabama this weekend was not only, of course, one of the two biggest games of the weekend. Minnesota took out Penn State. The Golden Gophers and the Nittany Lions were both undefeated, and now Minnesota only can say that among that pair. LSU and Alabama fit the same description. Of course, the Tigers won what turned out to be a close final score at Alabama over the Crimson Tide. After a lot of drama about how LSU and Alabama, usually in primetime on a Saturday night as a high-profile game, a lot of drama. I remember Paul Feinbaum, SEC guru, hammered the TV executives, because they had the goal to place it at 3.30 in the afternoon rather than trying to take advantage of more of a primetime spotlight. There aren't as many games in primetime. There are certainly many to choose from in the early afternoon and the mid-afternoon in college football. After a whole lot of criticism about LSU-Alabama being a 3.30 start, do you know what happened? It was the second highest-rated regular season college football game of this decade the second highest rated to give you one number as we come to your calls, Don Cherry, Carolina Panthers, and otherwise, 1-800-849-2761. They averaged 17 million viewers for the LSU-Alabama game. So Feinbaum, as is often the case, was clearly wrong. The TV executives, as is often the case, were clearly right. And this is one of the highest rated regular season college football games of this decade. The average of 17 million viewers for LSU-Alabama, just to put it into context, an average World Series game might get about that many viewers. An average NBA championship series game might get about that many viewers. The average NFL regular season game gets about 17 million viewers, but it is a huge number 
for college football. It is a reminder that the NFL is the almighty economic engine, even as some have questioned it in recent years. If you're the NFL, your routine regular season game gets 17 million viewers. If you're LSU, Alabama, and remember CBS uh, had the broadcast Saturday at 3.30, 17 million viewers is about as good as it gets in that sport in the regular season. CBS's college football package, averaging 7 million plus so far this year, is up almost 40% from last year and is the highest at this point in the season since 1990. Now, there's a lot of debate about whether the SEC gets too much respect, and that is a separate conversation. There is nothing unfounded about the SEC football respect from TV executives. When you have LSU and Alabama and Georgia and Auburn having good seasons and Florida and even Texas A&M having at least good or very good seasons, that's six teams worth following in the SEC. At the very least, you have three or four up in or around the national top ten. In the ACC, it's Clemson and then a huge drop to everybody else. And that description fits some others around college football as well. The Alabama debate for the committee, remember, is a separate debate. What does their resume deserve in terms of respect from the committee? Well, they just lost, and they only have one mildly good win, and that was over A&M. So where should they be in the rankings tonight? That's one debate. Anyone questioning the power and the deep-rooted passion for SEC football simply doesn't know what they're talking about. The ACC does not see these kinds of TV numbers. The Big 12 and the Pac-12 do not see these kinds of TV numbers. Even the Big 10 does not see these kinds of TV numbers. CBS's college football package, led by the SEC, up almost 40% from last year, and the highest at this point in the regular season since 1990. You cannot doubt that part of the equation. It is real, and it is spectacular. That other debate about Alabama and pollsters giving SEC football teams too much respect. Again, that's a little bit off to the side. 1-800-849-2761. As we go to Eric in Durham on the Panthers question of the day, I believe the five remaining unbeatens in college football will be ranked tonight in the committee rankings in this order. LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Minnesota, and Baylor. But I can guarantee you they're not going to be one, two, three, four, and 5. They're the only five unbeatens. That'll be the order, I believe. LSU, remember, just beat Alabama. That's some PowerPoints there. Ohio State is annihilating people and still undefeated. Number two in all likelihood. You can second-guess Clemson's schedule. But given how they've mauled most of their opponents, the Tigers, I think they'll be the third highest unbeaten team. And then you get to Minnesota and Baylor, who both, yes, are undefeated, but have played more close games and in some cases haven't played great schedules either. They will not, though, be one, two, three, four, and five. So one other big question tonight beyond what is the pecking order of those unbeatens, what is the pecking order among one-loss teams? Because if you're a an Alabama fan or a Penn State fan, you just lost for the first time this weekend. If you're an Oregon fan or a Utah fan in Pac-12 country, you still have a chance to be a 12-1 Pac-12 champion. Where you are in the eyes of the committee based on your accomplishments to this point matters. It's not the end game, but Alabama, Penn State, Oregon, Utah, Georgia, and Oklahoma, the most prominent one-loss resumes, they'll learn a little bit more about how the committee views them tonight. Eric, welcome to the David Glenn Show. What are the Panthers' biggest shortcomings right now 
compared to the two teams you may have watched on Monday Night Football. Seattle and San Francisco are playing a higher caliber of football right now than your Panthers, but if they can get a little better down the stretch against a schedule that's at least manageable for the next handful of weeks, maybe the Panthers at 5-4 and four can develop into a playoff team as well. What do you think? Hey, David, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, first of all, you might be surprised about what I'm going to say. Uh, their secondary, I think, is uh, might be one of their biggest shortcomings. And we saw it against San Francisco a few weeks ago when they put up 51 points on us. That Now, they did have a uh, pretty good run game that, that game. Uh, San Francisco had a pretty good run game that game. But yeah. they, Jimmy G was picking them apart. And Russell Wilson will... He's he's playing he's playing an MVP caliber yeah. right now. It's going to be fun to see Russ in Charlotte against these Panthers in mid-December. Not fun for the Panthers' playoff hopes, but fun for Wolfpack fans and others who uh, root for Russell Wilson as that MVP candidate you mentioned. And another thing is that you have two really good teams in the NFC North and two really good teams in the NFC West, and there's only two wild cards for us. You're right. Now, that would make us have to win the uh, NFC South and. Uh, with the Saints being eight and two, that's gonna it's gonna be a challenge. Yeah, you get to play the Saints twice. They're seven and two right now. You're five and four, so you're two games behind them. Uh, it'll be interesting. The last game against the Saints comes at the very end. So, what will the Saints have to play for at that point? I mean, we don't know, right? What do teams do when they've clinched whatever they've they think they can clinch? They rest their starters in large numbers. So, who knows? Maybe the Panthers need that game on December 29th in a way that the Saints do not need that game. Obviously, the Panthers would love to beat New Orleans twice. They deal with them on the road uh, it, later this month and then at home on December 29th. But it is not easy sledding because New Orleans is on the schedule twice. And as he just said, in the NFC East, for example, there's likely to be only one team in the NFC playoffs. It's either Dallas or Philly may the best team win, right? Unlikely that both will build playoff resumes. But when you're trying to kind of read the tea leaves, remember that San Francisco and Seattle, as members of the same division, man, one's going to win that division and the other's going to gobble up one of those wild cards. And if you look at Minnesota and Green Bay, do you think either one of them is going to fall off the beaten path, or do you think one's going to win the NFC North and the other's going to be a wild card? That's part of the problem. The Panthers can get better. Remember, K.K. Short is on injured reserve right now. Their best corner, James Bradbury, has missed time. Brian Burns, with his bad wrist, is a shadow of what he was earlier this year as a dangerous rookie pass rusher. Imagine trying to rush the passer when you can't fully close your fist. I mean, if you've ever played football at any level and you know what technique is all about, good luck trying to gain leverage on a blocker or offensive lineman when you can't close your hand, one of your two hands. I mean, it's not impossible. He's, that's why he's out there. But it's not unusual that he would be a shadow of himself under those circumstances. The Panthers were demolished by the 49ers in San Fran last month. They may be demolished by the Seahawks in Charlotte next month. We'll see. They're alive at 5-4. and four. I think the offensive line has to get better. Kyle Allen has been a good quarterback when he's had time. Kyle Allen, like most quarterbacks, has really low efficiency numbers when he's running for his life. That happened again this past weekend against Green Bay. If you look up at the numbers, man, was he really good on those two late-game drives against a quality team in the elements in front of the Lambeau crowd. I know they didn't score a lot of points, but Kyle Allen gained a lot of respect, including from Greg Olson and other veterans in his own locker room 
for his performance in those difficult circumstances. They need to block better for him. They need to continue to rush the passer well. For a while, they've been leading the NFL in sacks, but with Brian Burns banged, banged up, that gets a little bit more complicated. When they're fully healthy, K.K. Short is eligible to return, right? That's a, an elite defensive lineman. James Bradbury, at 100%, is a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback. At 100%, I think the Panthers can become an NFL playoff team. But that's not how it works in football, right? That's why your depth is tested. The game is a violent one by nature, and nobody gets through the entirety of the regular season without missing some key man games in the starting lineup. 1-800-849-2761. More of you want in on the NFL question of the day. What are the Panthers' biggest shortcomings right now compared to the teams you watched last night? Seahawks and 49ers both looked good as Seattle handed San Fran its first loss in overtime. Can those shortcomings get better down the stretch so that the Panthers become a playoff team as well? I'll welcome your thoughts and offer more of mine. And then the Don Cherry question. Man, are people at opposite ends of this spectrum in Canada or here in the United States? You don't even have to be a hockey fan to appreciate this question, I don't think. Is it an unnecessary bow to political correctness when you fire Don Cherry for his controversial comments? Or is it a necessary result to fight, in this case, anti-immigrant bigotry. I explained Don Cherry's words over the weekend on his famous Coach's Corner. Guy's 85 years old. If you've heard his name, you probably have thought about either his loud, obnoxious jackets and other clothing. You remember he was the guy who labeled bunch of jerks the Carolina Hurricanes because of their post-game storm surge victory celebrations that old-school Don Cherry did not like. He has taken shots over the years at those who wear visors while playing hockey in the NHL. He's taken some lumps over the years for being very pro-fighting at a time when some want to take fighting out of hockey. He's extremely old school in a lot of different ways, storm surge and otherwise. But it wasn't until this weekend, after decades of being controversial, that he was fired for his anti-immigrant comments as Canada was celebrating its Remembrance Day. More on that story. Unnecessary bow to political correctness or a necessary result to fight bigotry? I'll offer more of my thoughts as we welcome more of yours. 1-800-849-2761. Ryan McGee on college football and NASCAR in about 30 minutes. Jordan Rodrigue of The Athletic Carolina on all things NFL and Panthers in about 60 minutes. And our good friend Hayes Permar, now the pilot of the ship known as Sports Channel 8, He's going to drop by. It was a birthday weekend for Hayes, but that's not why he's dropping by. Today is launch day for Disney Plus, the new streaming service. I've heard Disney is, Disney is a pretty powerful, influential, and lucrative company. New streaming service, Darren Vaught. Are you going to buy it, Disney Plus? You going to sign up? They're likely to bundle with ESPN Plus okay. at some point, and that's probably the only instance in which I would buy in. Hayes, that, that one in particular. Hayes Permar, former producer here at the David Glenn Show and a rising superstar in his own right. Uh, he and his staff decided to collect ideas for what the programming might look like if they ever created a UNC Plus, a Duke Plus, a Wolfpack Plus, an ECU Plus, a Wake Forest Plus, maybe an App State Plus. And as usual, 
there were a lot of tongue-in-cheek suggestions, if you know what I'm saying. That's how they roll at Sports Channel 8. So we will have a lighthearted visit with Hayes Permar in our third hour. Jordan Rodriguez and Ryan McGee in our second hour. More of your phone calls on the Don Cherry story, the James Wiseman Memphis versus the NCAA showdown on an afternoon that will lead to Memphis versus Oregon as the ESPN national TV game tonight at 9 o'clock. I have rarely seen any university defy the NCAA over a matter of this sort. Wiseman has been declared ineligible by the NCAA, and Memphis is play, playing the young man anyway. More on that story with more of your calls, 1-800-849-2761, next on The David Glenn Show. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you in a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. the David Glenn Show. Ryan and Raleigh wants in on the crazy Memphis versus the NCAA showdown over a future NBA lottery pick big man named James Wiseman. Allen and Wake Forest wants in on the LSU Alabama TV extravaganza, one of the most watched college football regular season games of the decade. CBS's SEC package as a whole is up 40% almost from last year and the highest at this point in the regular season since 1990. College football playoff committee rankings out again tonight, of course, 1-800-849-2761. We are down to five remaining unbeatens, but a lot of compelling one-loss resumes as well will fall somewhere in tonight's pecking order. We're talking NFL and the Panthers. If you watch the Seahawks beat the Niners last night, what are the Panthers' shortcomings compared to those two NFC heavyweights? And can those things get better enough down the stretch for the Panthers to become a playoff team too? 1-800-849-2761. And then the Don Cherry Sports Brad broadcasting question. Is it an unnecessary bow to political correctness that the iconic – Canadian hockey commentator was fired late yesterday or is it necessary as a result to fight in this case anti-immigrant bigotry north of the border again he called out specifically immigrants or whoever he determined was an immigrant as he traveled around Canada I don't think he interviewed them on an individual basis he was making an assumption who's an immigrant and who's not and then he was saying that not enough Immigrants were wearing the poppy pins that north of the border are designed to honor fallen soldiers. In this case, Canada was celebrating Remembrance Day, their version, kind of, of our Memorial Day. 1-800-849-2761. Here's my bottom line, and then we'll get more of yours. Don Cherry, Darren, you're not even a lifelong hockey fan. If you heard the name Don Cherry, I would imagine that you're familiar with his flashy, multicolored, some would say obnoxious, over-the-top, screaming for attention, attire and jackets, right? You're familiar yeah, with that yeah, part and, of Don And at Cherry. least before the, the bunch of jerks rant about the Hurricanes a season ago, that would have been the immediate association I would have made. One of the many reasons he is one of the most yeah. iconic hockey broadcasters, seriously, in the history of the sport. When Canada named its 10 most celebrated sports figures, it wasn't an official declaration. It was more of like a poll. You know, Wayne Gretzky finished in the top 10, as you would imagine. Other Canadian superstars for multiple sports. Don Cherry was in the top 10 of this particular poll. 
The thing about the jackets compared to anti-immigrant bigotry is that really nobody gets hurt when you're known for flashy, multicolored, over-the-top jackets. Some people are going to think you're obnoxious. Some people think are going to think you're an unnecessary attention seeker, and they're not going to like you. It happens in every industry, right? The edgier you are, the more you tend to create both loyal followers, but also people who just flat out can't stand you. The more vanilla you are, the fewer people who hate you. The more opinionated you are, and I can tell you this from a long list of personal experiences, the more people really truly dislike you intensely, or sometimes the hate word is really appropriate. So Don Cherry has been polarizing his viewers for a long, long time. But the jackets don't hurt anybody, right? And even when he's extremely pro-fighting in hockey. That debate's been around for decades. There's a lot of evidence about some really serious health problems, physically and emotionally, for not all, but many of the guys who made their living primarily as fighters in the NHL. There aren't really any of those around anymore. You have to at least play some fairly well just to get a spot in the lineup. But there are still guys who are known to drop the gloves. That number has dwindled. And for decades, Don Cherry has been very pro-fighting, very anti-visor. He thinks that's a wimpy thing in a manly sport. How could you dare wear a visor on your helmet, even though at one point the NHL mandated it, uh, although they put in kind of a grandfather clause for some of the older players who didn't want to make that conversion. He was also the guy, as Darren said, who was very anti-storm search. So how many Kaniacs grew to hate Don Cherry if they didn't like dislike him already? Because he was the guy who called them a bunch of jerks. Why? Because they had the gall to do something unconventional. They had the gall to challenge convention, to have some fun in a way that old-school hockey people did not like. And Don Cherry wasn't alone in that. A lot of old-school coaches didn't like it. Some of the veteran players and retired players didn't like it. He's just opinionated as the iconic voice of Canadian hockey to a great degree. He's paid to be opinionated, right? So he said out loud and repeatedly, sometimes with disdain, the bunch of jerks type stuff that led to t-shirt sales for the Canes, but led to many more people loving them. Thanks for standing up against that nonsense, Don. And yet others disliking him. How dare you be so anti-fun? The bottom line with that part of Don Cherry, again, is that really nobody gets hurt. Whether you love the storm surge or hate the storm surge, nobody is getting hurt. Same with how he dresses every day. Nobody's getting hurt. When you come from a place of pure opinion, most of the time, nobody is getting hurt. He likes to dress flashy. He thinks you're dressing too vanilla. He doesn't like exaggerated celebrations in hockey or any sport. You can agree with him. You can disagree with him. Nobody's really getting hurt. The only reason you don't like Cam Newton is his extravagant poses after first downs. You don't have to apologize for that. Just have to be consistent. If other quarterbacks are also dramatic and flamboyant and you somehow like them but dislike Cam, well, then you have a double standard and you may be taking a few steps down racism lane. We're all against that, or almost all of us. When you come from a place of pure opinion, Don Cherry on fighting, Don Cherry on visors, Don Cherry on the storm surge, for the most part, nobody gets hurt. You either like it or you don't like it, and you don't have to apologize for being old school along those lines. When your words cross into that territory of sexism or xenophobia 
or homophobia or racism or in this case anti-immigrant bigotry does don cherry did he take a poll hey you guys have lived in canada forever and i see you wearing a lot of poppies to honor our fallen soldiers and yet when i pass through these cities and see people that don't look like me don cherry's not getting out of his car or bus and surveying hey are you an immigrant or not and are you a pro poppy wearing guy or not don cherry's making all sorts of assumptions about who is an immigrant and who is not an immigrant it's a horrendous problem in our country right now you can be at a fast food restaurant and because somebody looks a certain way they get harassed by somebody who has an anti-immigration stance and then they just pick somebody out and bully them because of the color of their skin if you don't see the wrong in that you're a bad person you you do not have to apologize for believing that this country or that country should set immigration laws in a certain place that debate has been happening for centuries my entire lifetime decades you don't have to apologize for being closer to this end of the spectrum or closer to that end of the spectrum it's an opinion it's what you want your country to be more like the number of people who have that strong opinion and yet don't see how they're crossing the line wait a minute your skin color is different than mine because so i'm going to assume you're an immigrant I get the benefit of everybody assuming that I'm not because my skin tone is different. That is patently racist and bigoted. It's outrageous. You don't assume such things. That's the problem with Don Cherry. Have your all the opinions you want. Be, dress, and talk as outrageously as you want. And you're not hurting anybody. But once your words start coming from a place of ignorance, he doesn't know who's an immigrant and who's not. There is no visual Kodak moment snapshot that determines who is an immigrant and who is not an immigrant. Those are false, in many cases, assumptions by ignorant people who are too lazy to understand that it's a little bit more complicated than that. And the brownest brown person might not be an immigrant, and the whitest white person might be. And you're just making false assumptions and going on your angry, bigoted, racist, xenophobic way because you're too lazy to do that kind of math. That's where Don Cherry crossed the line. That's why Don Cherry got fired. He's still unapologetic for it. But you know what? I don't assume that if you're 85 years old, as Don Cherry is, and you're white, as Don Cherry is, and you're old school, as Don Cherry is, I don't assume that you're a racist bigot i don't assume that you're a xenophobe but guess what when your lips start flapping and your words indicate that you are an anti-immigrant bigot well guess what i'm not assuming anything about you because you're white because you're 85 because you're canadian because you're a polarizing broadcaster i'm not assuming anything i know you're an anti-immigrant bigot because you said it out loud and when your words and actions go down those roads in our world our country and canada yes your employer can fire you free speech generally protects even some hateful speech but it absolutely positively can and often does put you at risk of getting fired when you go down racist sexist homophobic xenophobic and anti-immigrant type roads that's what don cherry did is it an unnecessary bow to political correctness no that would be 
firing Don Cherry because he was anti-storm surge, because he was anti-visor, because he's pro-fighting, because he wears crazy jackets. That's stupid. Let the guy be as loud, obnoxious, and outrageous as he wants. But there's an old saying, your right to swing your arms ends at the tip of my nose. And once your angry words impact people, once you start treating individuals as less than individuals, you're going down the wrong road. And I, as an employer myself, who signed a lot of paychecks over the last 20 years, I'd fire you too. Don't be racist. Don't be bigoted. I mean, it's not that complicated. Treat individuals as individual human beings. Don't assume bad things about a specific person because of your assumption and perception, accurate or not, about how they, as a group, act. He's making an assumption about immigrants and their views of fallen soldiers in Canada. Based on what? Based on his false assumptions. Oh, those white folks had to have been here for generations. Those folks are a little diff look a little different. They must have just gotten off the boat. And how dare they not wear poppy pins when those of us who are real Canadians know how to honor our fallen so soldiers on Remembrance Day here in Canada. It's nonsense. And if you don't see that it's nonsense, I genuinely ask you to expand your horizons. Maybe your favorite American news channel just fans the flames of racism and bigotry and makes it harder for you to see examples like this. Broaden your horizons. Be a better version of yourself. Don't be a bigot. Treat individuals as individuals. Don't assume bad things about anybody just because of your perceptions about that group. Nobody wants to be treated based on race, sex, religion, and all national origin and all the rest and yet how many are doing that exact thing to other people that's what don cherry did and that's why he deserved to be fired we're back after this Davo sweeney welcome back to the david glenn show yeah, how man. are you man? Good it's you. great to how see you, you? i saw that you took your family to italy it was unbelievable to go to rome and to stand at the coliseum that was built in 80 <laughs> 80 Eight zero. the original death valley you know literally this is the david glenn show Ryan McGee covers NASCAR and college football for ESPN. The former is down to its final four, and the latter is trying to get there. Ryan McGee, next on The David Glenn Show. Throwback Justice League. You know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman. If there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life, Aquaman is your guy. Zay Jones is dominating the three-cone drill. Aquaman is dominating the talk to porpoises drill. This is the David Glenn Show.